Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of On Grace, sitting across the desk from the Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner of Broadway United Methodist Church. I will let you all decide who is who in this equation. I have no clue. Uh, I wasn't listening to one of the choices. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Who would that be? He would need to be Wiley Coyote. On there that are one. three of us <laughs> sitting four feet from each other. Where did Wayne go there for a minute? <laughs> he, he's on the backside of the desert. <laughs> I, uh, I lost my presence for a moment. Yeah. So. You have a choice between Roadrunner or Wiley Coyote. Oh, I uh, I would like to be the Roadrunner, but I feel more like the Wiley Coyote. Yeah, well, the statement you just made about yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear you. You'd probably be the co- Wiley Coyote. I have a uh, Acme address on my phone, so I guess that qualifies me. <laughs> I think he just got hit in the head with an anvil. I'm not sure. <laughs> Run off a oh, cliff. Shoot. Did y'all watch that growing up? Oh yeah, is that a thing? Saturday oh, morning, man, show. wake up early and yeah, watch beep that. beep. Yep, that was great. Yep, it was. I think those kind of shows made you feel as a kid made you feel smart because you could always predict. Yeah, <laughs> what was going to happen, so right. you felt really smart. Like, oh yep. yeah, I know what's going to happen. Yep, uh, that completely well laid plan that Coyote is laid out there on paper is not is, right, and you and you really even knew how it was yeah. going to backfire. Yeah. I'm not sure why we even like the Roadrunner. It's not like he ever said anything profound or yeah. What if he's a, what if well, he's a jerk? He might have been. He might have been a yeah. I better not say that. He might have been a real jerk. So <laughs> yeah. he might have deserved an anvil <laughs> on his head instead yeah. of Wiley's. He might have been doing something to save the world, and we pulled against him every Saturday. My favorite was when he would like paint the rock. You know, as a tunnel, uh-huh. Wiley Coyote would, and Roadrunner would come and just zoom right down the tunnel, right. and then He'd Wiley smash. Coyote would yeah. go yeah. after him and instead right. smash himself. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's some deep truth Has there to somewhere. Be. <laughs> Has to be. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. Wiley Coyote is the symbol of your life's plans. Mm-hmm. Trying to map out what's going to happen. Right. Roadrunner is your friend who does them successfully. BB. Yeah. There you go. That's a good point. I like that. I I just totally pulled that out of thin air. (laughs) Shot from the hip. It worked. Yeah. It it actually worked. Right. For sure. Um, Today, I think we're going to talk about, we're going to revisit something, but hopefully on a slightly deeper or no, actually, it'll probably be on a more confusing level than the first time we dealt with it, because <laughs> we were talking about it beforehand, and we uh, kind of was all, we were all over the map. But um, this idea that we've been toying with the last three or four weeks about uh, God being our partner through the Holy Spirit, as John described him in the end of his gospel, the one who, the paraclete, which means the one who comes alongside, which is... Um, the whole idea of partnership that he partners with us in life so if god comes that close and he's that constant and he's that present um we've kind of been discussing over all these episodes that god is a god of grace jesus told nicodemus he he said i didn't come to condemn or critique or judge the world he said i came to save it and yet um as we are part of the partnership that we play, and God knew he was getting into this when, you know, he initiated this partnership thing. 
but still our part that we play tends to lean much more toward judging and critiquing and interrogating and being picky and being dissatisfied and keeping score and maybe some other words could describe yeah. that and 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 God's seems to be much more um, one of confidence in his grace that my gra- my grace has got this mm-hmm. you don't need to um, dissect it you don't need to pull it apart and critique it and judge it I, my grace has got this and as we were discussing beforehand there's maybe a balance of both I'm not sure yeah yeah, I think that there's um, there's this this sense in which uh, we trust what God is doing in our lives rather than judging it by some standard we have or some hope or wish that we we think things should go or we hope that they would go, and I think that gets us off track to critique everything and because we don't know all the factors and it really is that idea that you've talked about is tr- is faith is about trust trusting who God is and, and his faithfulness. Um, and so there's there's that that uh, letting God be who he is. And I think also affirming the fact that this is this is it. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, even though it doesn't look like I thought it would, it may not look like I, what I want it to look like, but to to trust that God is present and that he is with us, uh, that he is the one who walks with us through this with all the the ups and downs and ins and outs and, and questions and struggles that that doesn't doesn't um, uh, make invalid this experience doesn't mean that it's not communion with him and so rather than judging those things just let that be uh, part of what it means to follow him and, and for him to be alongside us it, yeah, it it's almost like we were brought up with some sort of manual in hand that said this is these are th- this is the standard by which to judge all of life. What is what is comfortable? What is safe? What is fair? What is desirable? What you mm-hmm. know? Right. What falls under the parameters of acceptable? Yeah. And so we're I don't know where this manual comes from. It's cultural. It's is the word familial, whatever, generational. We get the, we we inherit this set of standards, and God comes along and He says, "No, there's there's some stuff in it that's right, but there's a lot of stuff there that my standard is is not like that." Right. And so, as you partner with God, you have to learn kind of this new standard that God is not quite as picky as we are. And, yeah, and 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 he's not quite as picky as we'd like him to be. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes that's true too. Yeah. yeah. I think I think this this idea that God is in every moment, uh, whether it meets the the book standard of the book or not, is important. And not that that when it's not according to the standard of the book, it's not there that he's grumpy when he's there, or that he's agitated or disappointed necessarily even, but that he's simply there because he loves us and he's with us in those moments uh, that don't fit the manual or expectations of what it should look like for God to be present with me. Yeah, that can go so many different ways. You're talking about physical illness. You're talking about broken bones. You're talking about uh, awkward relationships. You're talking about uh, 
um, getting fired from your job. You're talking about right. flat tire out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's no way God could be. Right. Because my standard says that a good day doesn't involve those things. Right. Yeah. A, a good a good godly day would not involve those things. Right. And that that's the standard we kind of inherited. Yeah. And it's amazing how easily those things distract us from God's presence. And they confuse us about whether he is with us or not. And and we because we critique those and judge those as no, this can't be a grace moment because it's not comfortable or it's not easy or it's not what I expected. That, I think that's it's not what I expected. Right. That's where it usually comes down to. Yeah. And so we have to, you know, and I don't think it's like we think less of God. Well, he's not that big a deal. He's not going to take care of me. He's not that big a deal. He's not going to make my path what I want it to be or what I think it should be. But rather, I think it's, it's this idea of grasping that this presence of God in our lives is this huge, yeah, it, huge thing yeah. that trans, transcends all those inconveniences. And Paul says, you know, these light and momentary afflictions, I think is how he lives this life. And I mean, you go through stuff, you know, the death of somebody you love and care about or... Uh, those kind of things, and those do not feel light and momentary. But Paul says, compared to this presence of God yeah. in our life, then that's it. it, it if if you, if you're listening to this for the first time, if you if you're exposed to this kind of thinking the first time, I know it, it's it was like this to me. It sounded like, all right, since God doesn't give you everything you want. We're going to offer you a consolation prize. Yeah, you didn't get the grand prize, right. which is what you wanted. Yeah. So we're going to give you a consolation prize. You know, everybody right. gets one. Yeah, and 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 so, uh, like on Wheel of Fortune, where we're going to give you a thousand dollars, whether you want or not. Right. Um. If you press into the presence of God, it at some point you realize, oh crap, this is not the consolation prize. This is yeah. the grand prize right and in it and it i don't know you have to just suit up and show up for a while yeah yeah and and then it then it becomes very very real and very right. and hugely transformative yeah i think that's a really good point uh, because we really i think especially in the beginning we really don't want god we want what god gives us which is kind of an old line yeah but uh i think i think there's truth to that yeah. And, and exactly like you said, until if we press into that, then we discover this treasure that is beyond measure. So, I remember I remember when my first wife was diagnosed with cancer, and I, I, you know, after a time, it was obvious what was where this was going that she was going to mm-hmm. pass away. There was a moment somewhere in there. I don't, I can't put my finger on it. There was a moment when I realized, oh, I don't get what I want here. Right, but I get God. Yeah, and and it wasn't something I read or a concept that I finally comprehended. It was like to the heart. Yeah, you know, boom, and and that that absolutely blew me away. Yeah, I get God. Yeah, and and it was like, oh shoot. Yeah, it it was pr- probably it to up to that point in my life I was in my early 30s it was the most profound encounter I'd ever had with God 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this, JB? I'm curious as to whether or not what you're saying works on a large scale. I know I I think I think we've talked to talked before about um some of the difficulties with scaling faith up. And yet, when I see the Old Testament prophets and Jesus himself in the New Testament and Paul um basically criticizing or critiquing things about things in society or things in culture that uh, God did not create and God would not bless. So how, how does I, I think on a personal level, what you're saying is perfect. I get God. I get, I get the presence of God, but is that is that cold comfort to someone who is oppressed right. or someone who's suffering from racism or yeah. sexism or ageism or, or or someone who someone who is mm. like like the like the wily coyote and roadrunner like somebody who is suffering at the hands of someone else or someone who is being preyed upon by powers and principalities right. in society so i don't i don't disagree with what you're saying i, I always go i always think to what Jesus said when he said, you will always have the poor. That bothered me for a long time when he, when he said that. But because it took like, it, it, it almost was like a cop-out of some sort. Like what? But, but if what we're saying is true about God's presence with us, it is almost impossible once you enter into this God present with me not to be present with other people. It doesn't, Religion tells me it's my job to go be with them. This new paradigm says I can't not be with them. It, my heart longs to be with the oppressed and the downtrodden and the people who are victims of society. Right. Yeah. And and I and I've struggled with okay, do we get in people's faces about this kind of thing? What's our calling? Right. Or or are we simply present with those people? I want to go be with you. I'm and and I'm going to do what I can to relieve your discomfort and your. I can't live yeah. your life for you, right? But yeah, I think there's, I think it's a a great uh, question, and I think uh, two things. One is that this idea that God is the one who comes alongside us is an example to us to come alongside people who are Absolutely. in need, yeah. people who are oppressed, who are downtrodden. You know, I'm an old white guy, so I know nothing about it. But I can come alongside people who do know it too well, yeah. and understand that. Um, and I've forgotten what the other thing was. <laughs> that was a good one, though. Oh, oh the other yeah. thing was that uh, that in Jesus, how far did God go to identify with those of us who were needy and lost? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How far are we willing to go to identify with people who are oppressed and who are uh, mistreated by the systems that we are part of? And so I think that, like you said, that that flows out of this relationship with Christ even more. You know, there are a lot of people who don't claim to be Christian who care about these issues. But for those of us who are Christians, even more so because we feel this sense of being called alongside and demonstrating that in ways that are costly and significant in the way that God did through his son. Um, I think that's that's. uh, I don't want to say the standard, but I think that's the example for us 
of of what yeah. it means to be called alongside people. To, my way of seeing it is that I should be as vehement in my exploration of how do I come alongside other people as I am about how does God want to come alongside me. Right. I want to understand what it means for God to come alongside me. I think that has to happen first. Otherwise, I'm clueless. Yeah. As soon as I know something new about that, I apply that to coming right. alongside somebody else. Yeah. But I think it has to, God says, this is what this looks like. Okay, now I know. I've got one more piece of info, whatever. Now I can go do that with somebody else. It, it, but it's what's so different about it is it's not a rule. It's not a have to. It's there's a flow to this. There's a flow to grace that you you can't quantify or right. put a number on that. Put a method on that. Put a program on that. You can't. Yeah, sure. It, there's it, just it's just yeah. a flow. Yeah, and I think when if we if we block that flow, then we we miss something of what God wants to be to us and in us, and that sense of His presence with us. That if it becomes all about me and Him. Then we miss the richer expression of God's pre- God's abiding with us that He wants to do with us and with others. Yeah, I think I think one thing I would want to say is, if God is truly our partner, it can it truly, not conceptually, but truly our partner. It can never become just about me and Him. Right. It because He's yeah. our part. He won't allow that to happen. Yeah. So t- talk a little more about the flow. When you talk about the flow, what 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 I uh, what I hear is like you're in the zone, <laughs> and something like you, you just you know when you know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and it, it sounds. I mean, people look at you funny when you keep saying the same thing over and over again. But it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. You you just love the person in front in front of you, and it doesn't matter who they are. You just love, and and to love that person means. All that we've said in these previous podcasts, you listen to them, you're present with them. They at that moment they become your universe. You don't nothing else matters. They are all you are all in with that person. And and when that happens, I think the same thing happens to them that happens to us when we realize that we're God's universe when He deals with us. Their lives are changed. They suddenly become worthy. They suddenly become they suddenly see themselves in a way they've never seen themselves before because they've been graced and loved. Yeah. I think there's also that uh, as part of that, I think that's true, I think, but also as part of that flow is as I am present with God and he's present with me, I begin to see things the way he sees them. Yes. And when I see circumstances or institutions or cultures that uh, are oppressive, I ache for those the way he does and that, compassion moves me to be involved in uh, ways that will change the systems or the institutions so that there will be more justice or compassion for people who don't have voices or who are not heard in those because I, I begin to see the way he sees and recognize those things Thanks for being a part of this episode of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown, and I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.